nobody else All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever live recording of The Spread! <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for those of you who've been following us um, on our social media and for those of you who've been following us on our podcast. We really appreciate you, and we're very glad that you guys could be here for this. Uh, just in case you want to follow us right now on social media, <laughs> all of our handles are at the spread pod, and the hashtag for today is hashtag the spread live. So feel free to comment, to take pictures for Instagram, to tweet, and if you are not subscribed to us, if you have an iPhone, you can find us on your Apple podcast thing. App. <laughs> Thanks. And if you have an Android, then there's a, there's a podcast app called Stitcher, which you can download, and you can download the podcasts of that. We are the spread, and we are live! Yes. Thank you, guys. All right. So on this episode, our super special, absolutely gorgeous co-host for today is Sophie Latapan. And Sophie and I have actually done many things together. You need to specify. <laughs> no, I don't. It's the spread. <laughs> Guys, Sophie Latapan is a human rights lawyer who just recently, and I think by recently, I mean this year or towards the end of last year, just um, started your own firm. Adulting. Adulting. Hashtag adulting. 2017 is a really wonderful year for adulting. And so we're really happy to have you here. And of course, you're representing uh, Latapan and Macau Advocates. Kavinia is here. Yes. Also a partner. Yes. <laughs> love it. I did not know that addition. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Welcome to the firm. <laughs> we're talking about firm biz. Um, and today we're going to be discussing intersex persons. Are you guys familiar with intersex persons? Okay, so I'm just going to open this um, episode by firstly sort of just differentiating three things. One, an intersex person is a person who does not fall into medically, quote-unquote, normative standards of maleness slash femaleness, specifically with regards to their genitalia, chromosomes, or hormones. <coughs> Another term is hermaphrodite, which is an, an outdated and offensive term previously and incorrectly used to refer to intersex persons. In modern use, it refers to plants and animals, typically with both male and female characteristics. And the third term is transgender, a person who does not partially or wholly identify with their gender assigned at birth. Transgender is an umbrella term that includes all those who are not cisgender, which is the opposite of transgender. And so those are the three definitions. I just want to open by telling a story. It's not, it's not an African story. I had really wanted to tell an African story, but it isn't, and I think it's still important. This story is called Finding Out the Truth. Ruth, now 60, spent much of her youth questioning the constant medical attention, including surgeries she received in her early childhood in the 1960s. Quote, doctors always deflected my questions and stonewalled me when I asked why I had so many appointments, she said. I developed PTSD and dis... dis uh, mm? <laughs> That's not the word. 
the word is just like mm. I've not heard this word before. Dis diso <laughs> guys. No judging. <laughs> call a friend. Call this a is friend. a safe space. <laughs> Dissociative. That's what I said, guys. Ah. Yeah. And dissociative states to protect myself while they treated me like a lab rat, semi-annually putting me in a room of white-coated <coughs> male doctors, some of whom took pics of me when I was naked. Ruth attended a private university, started a luc lucrative career, and got married to a man. Then one night when she was 32, she hemorrhaged while having sex. So she rushed to the hospital. Ruth told Human Rights Watch, after my vagina repair surgery, I had my first encounter with a truly compassionate and candid doctor. He told me, I'm not sure what you have, but if I can see your medical records, I can explain it to you. Ruth drove to the office to the endocrinologist who had treated her throughout her childhood and requested her records. He said no. So she waited in the parking lot until he left that night, broke in, and stole them. I just sat in the parking lot and didn't even read them at first. I just put them in date order, Ruth said. Then I took a breath and started recording, and the first thing I saw on the first page was male pseudo-hermaphrodite, complete with female phenotype. Patient does not know, DX, diagnosis. Thoughts rushed through her head. First I thought, this is great. This is a known thing. How freaky does it make you feel when they say there's no one else like you and no name for your condition? And the second thing was, these fucking bastards lied to me at the same time. There are other people out there like me, and I wish I had known there were others like me. I was totally enraged that that had been kept from me. Why would you deliberately try to make a person feel like a freak? And then I felt, this feels good. I've got the knowledge, and they can't hide this from me. I can protect myself now. And then I thought, I wonder how much mom knows. Did she know this was part of a keep it from Ruth thing? Ruth confronted her endocrinologist the next day. He said her mother had asked him not to tell Ruth and that he was just following the standards of care, Ruth said. That was when I realized that this way I was treated was never about me. It was about my doctor and my parents and everyone feeling uncomfortable about how my body was. But I want to be like nature made me. End of story. When I approached Sophie about doing a podcast with her, hosting a podcast with her, um, I asked her what topic she would like for us to discuss, and this is what this was her choice. So why? Um, I think first of all, it's something that we normally don't talk about, and from where I sit, from a human rights lens. Um, a lot of people face discrimination. A lot of people who are intersex face discrimination. People don't have knowledge about intersex persons. Um, <clears throat> and they face uh, numerous human rights abuses. So I thought it would be an interesting topic to, to talk about, um, to figure things out, to see if we can chip in in advocating for the protection of intersex persons, um, because it's a, not a mainstream topic, so to speak. Um, have you, in your line of work, had to deal with intersex persons? Yes. So, um, pray tell. Do tell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've dealt with um, um, a case of an intersex child and a case of an intersex adult. So the case of the intersex adult um, involved a person who was charged with an offense. Um, <coughs> he grew up male. 
identified as male, um, but was intersex and had female genitalia. So when this uh, person was jailed in Kamiti prison, um, there were a lot of issues that came to the fore with regards to their protection. I mean, if they had female genitalia, how would the system sort of deal with them when they're in prison? And what are the possible um, situations of violence that could occur, et cetera? And with the case of the child, um, <coughs> was an intervention to prevent <coughs> gender reassignment surgery. So one of the things that typically happen with children who are born intersex is that the first cause of business really for parents and for doctors is to assign them a gender and by doing that to impose a sex on them um, by surgically altering their genitalia. Um, I have so many questions, <laughs> but a case like that where the child has to undergo surgery, mm -hmm. like at what point were you intervening? Who came to you? Because obviously we live, majority of Africans, but specifically Kenyans, we live in such a, our society ha is a very like binary constraint. We identify as male and female. When the child is born, the doctor comes with a birth certificate and is like, is it a girl or is Pick it a boy? One. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's no other, yeah. Perhaps maybe the first question would be to ask the difference between identifying um, like what your gender identity is versus what your sex is versus what your gender is. Okay. Um, so sex typically is the are the biological differences between a male and a female. And gender is a social construct. It's what we expect. Um, people to behave if they're male and if they're female. Um, so in the case of intersex persons who have ambiguous genitalia and, for example, have XY chromosomes, which are for... Remember your biology lesson? Nope. XY and XX? This is why I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're creative. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like bio. No, we had to... I mean, when we're doing these cases, we you sort of had to like go back to your biology lessons and sort of understand biology and what that means for a legal and political sort of dynamic. Um, so XX is female, XY is male. So one of a common intersex condition um, is when you have XY chromosomes, um, therefore <laughs> male, therefore male, mm -hmm. um, but externally have female genitalia and developing breasts and things like that. So we're in the human rights field, this is what we do. Um, so a lot of the times people would report violations where I used to work, um, and that's how we would intervene in a case. So um, there are a couple of us who had consistently done advocacy on LGBTI um, issues, QA, QA <laughs> including um, the rights of intersex persons, and that's sort of how they know to come to me to the organization that I used to work for. So that's how we sort of intervened. And we were really um, committed to this idea of protecting children who are born intersex from irreversible damage, damage to their bodies mm. um, by imposing a sex on them. Um, and Surgically. by extension, exactly. Actually, so, so no, socially as well. Yeah. And then imposing a gender, socially. Yeah. Um, and what happens is that we learn from a lot of ad adult intersex persons that, that they might not necessarily conform to the sex or gender that was imposed to them as a child. Yeah. Which creates a whole other 
problem. Problem. Yeah. And um, did you are you guys aware that intersex persons are not as rare as you think? So, like the statistics are statistics <laughs> that 1.7 percent of um, of our current population are intersex persons, and that is oh my God. I have s my memory chooses to remember the things. <laughs> <laughs> just like, and then there's other things I forget, like what I just asked you. <laughs> so like 1.7% of the population are intersex persons, which is the same number of people that are redheads. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> knowledge. Drop that knowledge, Kaz. What? Drop it. What was that I just dropped? What's that? Sorry. <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. Um, so I actually know the story of an intersex person in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and... I only know this story because somebody told me, but um, the person doesn't know that I know. So the story is that um, as, as far as we know her, she identifies not by choice, but by, I guess, force. She has identified as female her whole life. Um, I found out much, she must be much older now. She must be in her maybe 60s, and she has identified as female for as long as we've known her. But in the same breath, um, she, when she did find out about her uh, situation, for lack of a better term, uh, she apparently used to have, she had a confrontation with her mother, and she used to have conversations with her mother about why her mother didn't do corrective surgery when she was a child. And she blames her mother for her current condition because she thinks, she thinks that she should have been quote unquote fixed as a child. Because what happened was her mother refused to do the surgery when she was a child, which is a twist to the story because yeah. a lot of, because what your role is, is to try and prevent people from actually um, forcing their children to have corrective surgery. Well. The premise is that <coughs> we should leave children's bodies untouched. They have the right to dignity and physical autonomy over their bodies. Um, and because their surgery is irreversible, you can't change it. So when a child comes to their own, begins to identify with a particular gender, and they understand the consequences of surgery, they give informed consent, then the surgery can happen. Um, but the reverse means that they ha you're, you're robbing children of, of, of choice, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you did mention something about having to deal with an adult who was in, in prison. Mm -hmm. So based off of the fact that they neither identified as male or female? They identified as male. But what would But had female genitalia. So what happens when you're sending that person to prison? What, like... I guess their certificate was signed male. Mm -hmm. Like what? 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 Yes, I mean, what's that? For situation? all intents and purposes, I mean, law enforcement would never have known um, until uh, until when that person actually came out and declared that they were facing violence because of okay their 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 genitalia. Okay. Um, but again, uh, unfortunately, our system isn't built to have protective services within detention centers. So, so that is something that a lot of people have been advocating for, a system where 
even if somebody is, ca is incarcerated, then they are still protected within the realms of detention. Is your role as a human rights lawyer also to create policies? I know that the laws are slightly different in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And um, what is the other option for Kenyans, for persons who are born intersex? What, ha what, like, what is the ideal procedure? <laughs> um, so if you talk to different people, everyone has a different idea as to what the level of and standard of care should be. So the first thing is around legal recognition. So ultimately, you still need a birth certificate for very many things, to get a passport, um, to get into school, etc. So the idea is not to force parents to tick the box and allow them a sort of an intermediate form of recognition before surgery actually takes place or hormonal replacement therapy or just a change in gender identity of that person. So they don't necessarily have to tick the box male or female. Like in South Africa, there's a third box of intermediate and other. So that is also an option um, for people who are intersex to have an intermediate status um, before they actually specifically um, assign themselves a gender. Okay, now the problem... Which is, which could happen with or without surgery also. Yes. Yeah. Now the problem with this intermediate status is it also brings about discrimination. Discrimination, Because by the time stigma, you're going to get your yeah. ID or yeah. your... I mean, there's so many things that could possibly happen to you with an quote, with an intermediate, with an, with a, what, what do I call it? Like a non-status. If you don't conform to the gender binary. If you don't conform to, to the, the gender, gender binary. binary. Yeah. Yes. So you're opening up yourself to so many other forms of discrimination. Mm -hmm. Already just living is hard enough. Living is hard enough being any sphere. <laughs> just living alive. is hard enough, period. Being alive is hard. Then living on any <laughs> sphere of the rainbow yeah. is another, like... It's like living two lives. It's like just being um, opening up yourself for all sorts of um, discrimination, which yeah. is just hard. But then this is like like a third tier. It's just. I mean, the other option also is to allow people to change their sex markers on identity documents once they're older. So yes, in terms of the law allowing you the space to be able to change your gender marker or your sex marker um, when you do identify with a different gender when you are older. Because most intersex people identify with as male or female. Um, so the third box is an option, but it's not an option for everyone. Um, but allowing there to be a th third box for the people who want to choose that third box. The thing is the imposition, the imposition of the male or the female or the intermediate. Not, it, there's no solution for all, but to allow people to choose. Okay, so then we'll go into why don't we just allow people to choose anyway? Why can't yeah. people just be born? And then, you know, because by the time we're taking male or female on their, or by the time we're taking male or female on their birth certificate, we choose for them. Yeah. And then, you know, if it's a girl, we paint her room pink. If it's a boy, we paint... So we're already imposing all of these things. We know we buy her Barbie dolls, and we have already decided as a female, this is what you should be, and this is how you should be. So there's no room for androgyny. And so why if we're going to have an intermediate box, can't we just have it for every... Because that's where the conversation will... The, con the argument will lead to. Yeah. Let's just have an intermediate box. 
The in fact, fact let's not have a male and female. <laughs> let's have a forget. No box. Yeah, let's just have a no I'll box. choose later. Yeah. yeah. Box. <laughs> For everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, like, I'm I feel like I'm you should be in Pakistan. And then, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> just change Wait, all the laws. I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to be in Parliament. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, I, I, I definitely would like. To change policies yeah. or to create policies yeah. that that you know that get passed before I die, I must create a policy that gets passed in in the. <laughs> Mark what? my words. That sex education is is reintroduced into public schools. Yes. yes. That is my dream. I'll take claps. <laughs> or clicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I definitely feel like if we're giving an option to intersex persons, then we should give the op it will open up the conversation for, I think everybody should have a right to choose. Yeah? True. Does anyone have any questions? Hi. Yes, hello. Hi. Hi, gorgeous. <laughs> At the beginning, when you were like, do you know what intersex is? I did, I thought I did, yeah? Well, I generally know what it is. But I was wanted to ask now, when a child is born with female genitalia, at what is it that is different, you know, or um, is it that the doctors do a blood test and they're like, oh, wait, but there's other things. At what point does it become apparent that a child is intersex? So there are about 30 to 40 different intersex variations. So they manifest very differently and they can manifest at different stages of your life. So some are apparent when you're born, some are apparent during puberty. So it's not like we will identify all intersex, well, doctors, not we, will identify all intersex conditions when a child is born. Sometimes genitalia is ambiguous. And because genitalia is ambiguous, then they go and do other tests. And when they do other tests, they're like, mm, okay, something's not adding up. So it often manifests like that. Um, but just to note that there, there are so many different variations. And they can be discovered at different points in time in your life. Yeah. Thank you for Thank the education. You, Chloe. Um, so I was just wondering about the the case, the RM case. Yeah. The, the the man who was the intersex person who was in jail, and I know that in that case, the one of the prayers was that Kenya allows that there be a third gender, mm -hmm. and that the finding of the of the judge was that there was no empirical data to to show that there, are, you know, enough people who would need for there to be a third gender. So my, my, my question is whether, do you know that there are efforts to collect this data? Is there, are you working on, on that? Are you working on a plan? So after the RM case and the baby A case, um, actually at the, at the RM case, judges were just like, this is just like one in 20 million people. Why is there a need to change policy? And because there were more cases coming into the judiciary, um, a task force was formed. So it's just been gazetted. I think it was gazetted a month or two ago. And one of their go actually, their mandate is extremely extensive. It's policy, it's legislation, it's um, structural reforms that need to take place. So they're going to undertake a study and, and analyze the entire sort of system when it comes to the medical arm, when it comes to the legal arm, when it comes to the political arm, and hopefully they're going to come with some empirical data to be able to guide policy on this issue. Maybe Kaz, since we're on a mailing list, um, when, the task for, when the task force is um, in the process of receiving um, 
information from from the public, then you could send out an, um, an email to of just course. alert people Is that something um, to you guys participate would be in the in conversation. Okay, absolutely, done. Done. Yes, thanks. Um, my question marries uh, between African culture yeah. as well as our claim to human rights because there's a problematic narrative that's gaining currency, especially in Africa, where they tend to lump issues of intersex with persons with disability. And so that also mars, you know, mm -hmm. it, especially knowing Africans, right? So that's under-reporting, first of all, because I, I, where I, from where I sit, I imagine that this is something that's happened in many generations, right? And now it's actually Absolutely. coming to surface. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, around the advocacy issues, is this something that you've come across where you have to actually identify that and have to push back on a narrative that being born intersex does not mean that it's a disability or a biological defect. Okay, so my question is less legal and more kind of, um, um, you know, our families are really just microcosms of, so uh, yeah, microcosms of society. So to, to a family that um, suddenly is dealing with an intersex child, I just wonder what that experience is like and what, what there is out there for the support of those families. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, th I imagine that how, how they try and mitigate for that is to do the gender assignation and, and to just cover up and socialize the child in one way to make it simpler for everybody. But for the children, for example, in, in the example that you, the, the story that you told where the, the mother chose not to have um, the surgery for the child, which is, which is interesting, I'd like to hear why. Um, what support is there for families like that? There is a lot of stigma surrounded with having and raising an intersex child. So I imagine, especially in a society such as ours, which is highly conservative, um, and by conservative I mean just when you're out in public, because <laughs> the most conservative... Not in Kaz's bedroom. <laughs> Never in my bedroom, or living room, or kitchen. <laughs> in such a conservative society as ours, anything that is slightly outside of the norm is, is hidden. By the so many secrets that we have as Kenyan families that are swept under, yeah. under the carpet because it's all stigmata, it's all just stigma. It's like, oh, we have a member of family who is living with HIV, we must never tell anybody. Or, or you know, died with, um, because of HIV-related diseases. We must never tell anybody. It's just like there's certain things that are highly stigmatized which don't need to be. And the minute that we start to talk about it, the less that, then we can, the less that we can stigmatize such conversations such as sex. Sex is one of the biggest taboo conversations that we have in Kenya. And actually this is the biggest reason why I do this is just so that we can have more open spaces and conversations and allow, yeah. the more you talk about things, then the less like sort of taboo that they become, the less stigmatized. Just like sex is such a beautiful thing. Am I digressing? Yes, a little I'm bit. really digressing, <laughs> so I mean. um, Well, first I'm glad you're having these conversations and creating space um, for discussion on all these topics. Um, I'm just thinking about uh, othering and being conscious of that. And you already said that 1.7% what if that 1.7% is in this room? Like, do we think about that? Yeah. And then um, you talked about wanting to tell an African story but not having an African story. So hopefully, um, as a result of this show, like, 
some somebody who is intersex could come and tell their own story, yeah. and that would be really amazing to ask them about their experience. Yeah. And the good th thing about it being a podcast is that they can maintain some sort of anonymity. anonymity. Yeah. So I would really encourage you to create that space as well. So Absolutely. it's not talking about the other, but it's Absolutely. getting the stories from the people who are most affected. Absolutely, and that's yeah. it's great that you said that because we did once have um, an episode where we were discussing, my co-host and I discussed a friend of hers who she said wasn't interested in having sex, and I mentioned that she may be asexual, and then we sort of dived into the conversation about asexuality, which is another conversation which is highly stigmatized, and then I kind of put it out there, I said if there's anybody who's um, asexual, and I got so many responses, people just sort of saying, I, my friend and I, you know, we both identify as asexual and we'd like to come on the podcast and talk about it. So that's another conversation that's pending. But definitely, if there's anybody out there who is intersex and would like to tell their story, this is definitely something that we are willing to And you explore. can also connect with the organizations that are working within that Absolutely. community in Absolutely. Kenya. Absolutely. Thank you. Sophie, shoot. Yes, um, I agree with you in terms of the conflation. Um, of persons who are intersex with disability, um, conflation of persons who are intersex with sexual orientation. Um, we're trying to rein the conversation in. It's a difficult one to have um, because m most people who are policymakers and who are power brokers don't understand the dichotomies um, on the binary gender issue, the issues surrounding intersex persons. So it's up to us to sort of rein in the conversation and to make it extremely targeted. Another thing is that we don't really have comprehensive legislation in the continent that we can compare to. Because a lot of the times our lawmakers will be like, uh-huh, which African country is doing the same? And in this case, it would be South, South Africa, Africa only. Yeah. Um, so they don't have any comparative experiences between the South-South global south dynamic and they're very averse to receiving best practices from European countries that are more progressive in this area. Um, so it's up to us to sort of rein in the conversation, make sure that it's extremely targeted and the voices of intersex persons, I agree with Zawadi, should be at the forefront of participating in this conversation and part of the people who are creating solutions around this issue. Um, Janet, you asked about support for families, it's extremely ad hoc. So the organizations that work on issues to do with intersex persons do provide counseling on an ad hoc basis to families. But what Kaz is saying is true. It's highly stigmatized. Um, in some communities, it's considered a taboo. God made a mistake. Um, and God didn't make a mistake. And, and I'm pretty like sure that, that yeah. there's a lot of um, deaths surrounding intersex-born children. Yeah. And which is a, which is a which is a whole different story because yeah. I do remember in a lot of in uh, in a lot of old African culture when they were twins the twins were killed when they were um, a lot of albino born children are killed yeah. so imagine with intersex it, yeah it's there must be a lot of sort of death around, around yeah. Them. So uh, targeted support for families is in present, and it's, ex it's extremely crucial for families to understand what it is, um, to understand that they're not alone, to understand what support an intersex child needs um, growing up and even becoming an adult and coming into their own gender identity. So there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of just creating structures and systems that are supportive of intersex persons and their families, um, and to help people do the right thing. 
Yeah, I feel like yeah. what you're saying regarding like lawmakers looking to other African countries to sort of like what like what should we do because of what <laughs> South Africa did? Yeah. I feel like we should definitely and yeah, no pressure, Sophie. We should definitely be spearheading that. Um, I, I feel like these are some of the things that we should take pride in. And can you imagine if your law firm is like the law firm that everybody looks to? Like, oh, let's see. What Hallelujah, we amen. Kavinia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is like, yes. <laughs> you know, what did they do in Kenya? Because yeah. they had that thing that was happening and this is what they did. Let's yeah. go back to their notes and sort of see if there's a way that yeah. we can use the same policies to, to, to change whatever's happening in our country. And I think that would be great for us to spearhead, like even support groups for families and support groups for intersex persons and so on. Yeah. Are you done? Yeah. You answered all the questions? Yeah. Jeez. Guys, no all right. <laughs> I just want to say thank you, guys. Thank you for being here with us, uh, Sophie Latapan. We're going to have all of the details on the page, just like underneath. Um, please be sure to follow us on all of our social media pages. That is at The Spread Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And of course, um, tune in on your Apple podcasts. And if you have an Android phone, tune in on Stitcher. And that's it for now. Thank you very much for being Love you. I love you too. Okay, bye guys. Hey guys, for those of you that did enjoy our live recording, we will be having another one on the 27th of September. That's Wednesday, the 27th of September. It will be once again at Ikigai, which is on General Mathenge Close, right at the end of General Mathenge Road. Tickets are 1,200 shillings in advance and they're 1,500 shillings at the door. There is only a limited number of tickets, so you want to get yours now. The link is below.